Some of y'all are going to take a baby home today, but you didn't know that coming in. Man, welcome to Mercy Found Sunday. I was already a mess just watching that video. Uh, it is my second favorite Sunday after the year, after Easter, because if not for uh, the resurrection of Christ, we wouldn't be doing Mercy Found Sunday. So uh, welcome to Mercy Found Sunday. Get, get you some tissues. You're going to cry. You're going to take babies home. You're going to look at pictures and say, Yep, they're mine, and uh, I know all about that. We, we, we love this Sunday. We take it, uh, do it once a year to really focus on adoption and foster care and family preservation. We take a break from uh, teaching through the book of the Bible, now Hebrews, and uh, to really do that. This is our 15th year of doing Mercy Found Sunday, if I did my math right. And in those years, we've touched children around the world and in the U.S. with over 30, approaching 35 children that have been adopted in this church. How about that? Uh, very, very, yeah. Some of you may ask uh, if you've been here, if you haven't been here in the last year or missed Mercy Found Sunday, how did Mercy Found Ministry start? And uh, in 2002, Jen and I adopted our uh, daughter, Joelle. And um, while we went through that process, we knew nothing. We knew, didn't know where to go, didn't have people to talk to. We had a thousand questions. We had all kind of fears. Uh, and in doing so, we, God put it on our heart to really help others. Hang on. Y'all, y'all, y'all way on the trigger there. Golly, seriously? Come on, baby. I got you. But uh, so in light of that, we thought, man, we would love to be a part of something that really helps people. So when we came here 17 years ago, I talked to Monty and the elders, and we talked about maybe doing something like this at our church. And, uh, and so that's how it got started. It was slow, but it certainly has progressed. And uh, here's how it started for us right here. There you go, little JoJo, and then here's how it's going. Yeah, so we love adoption. We love adoption. It has literally changed our lives. Uh, for some serious moments here, you know it's no secret that we live in a world and country that has a really godly or godless worldview. Godliness is pervasive. And because of that, it is anti-life. And we as God's people are really called to swim upstream against a godless culture that we live in. It is certainly here we are to fight on our knees. We are to fight with our words and our actions against this godliness. And Mercy Found Sunday is really one of many ways we can do that. I want you to think with me for a few minutes about these statistics. 2,363, 2,363 preborn children are killed every day, the leading cause of death in the U.S. through abortion. Now, I know in a congregation this size, some ladies have had abortion. And I say to you like we would say to every single sin, Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This room is full of sinners, but we do not celebrate sin. 
and we will fight against it. 1% of children killed in abortions are conceived in rape. That is often the argument from the other side. 97% of all abortions are out of convenience and comfort. Late-term abortion is not rare. In New York City alone, 1,247 children were killed at 21 weeks in late-term abortions in 2017. And then Planned Parenthood continues to receive, as of 2019, $616 million from the United States government to continue what they do. Amy Comey Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh and the recent Supreme Court nominees were demonized for one reason, that they are pro-life and anti-abortion. Make no mistake, we live in a godless culture that fights tooth and nail for the very things that God hates and despises. So the world's answer in response to unwanted preborn children is to murder them. God's response is to give them life. The responses are polar opposites. And it's God's people. Here's what we do. We choose life for the baby. We choose life for the child. We choose life for the mother. And I am so thankful that at Fellowship Bible Church that we have a culture of life that fights for adoption, foster care, family preservation, orphans, crisis pregnancy centers, and stepping stones, our ministry to homeless mothers with children. And you'll hear more about that later this morning. The reason is supporting life is something that is close to God's heart. Matter of fact, if you searched your Bible from front to back, you would notice three specific groups of people that come up again and again and again. It is the orphan, the widow, and the stranger. And here's how we would put it at fellowship. We are committed to do for a few what we wish we could do for all. And we will stand by that commitment. Today in the United States, 500,000 children are in foster care, the foster care system. 129,000 of those are waiting to be adopted right now. More than one-third of Americans have seriously considered adopting, but no more than 2% have actually taken the next step to adopt. I believe personally is because they don't know where to start. They don't know who can answer their questions. They question, how can we afford it? And we need to play a role there. Only 4% of families with children in the U.S. contain an adopted child. So with this many orphans, we have, a, we have both a monumental task and great challenge to practice what James, the half-brother of Jesus, said and what he called true religion in James 1.27. It is religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father. It is this, to visit orphans and widows and their affliction. So what in the world would make us do that? What in the world would make us tackle that task? I believe at a fundamental level, it is when we as Christ's followers, we would move horizontally toward the orphan and the widow to the degree in which we fully get how God is first vertically moved on us. 
And here's how Paul describes that movement from God to us in Ephesians 1, 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, having predestined us to adoption. There we go. We're all adopted as sons and daughters by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So in some ways, the whole story of the Bible is of God visiting us in our affliction in order to deliver us from it. One writer said, adoption is not infertility correction. It is a great commission faithfulness. Because as we as the body of Christ lay our lives on the line and we bring children into our homes and serve them and feed them and take care of them in all the ways you'll hear about this morning, there's a good chance that child is not only going to hear the gospel, but come to faith in Christ. Now, I know this. God doesn't call every Christian couple to adopt. So hear that plainly. But what I do believe that he calls every Christian couple, uh, especially those who aren't old like me, if I was younger, I'd have a bunch more, good gracious. But he calls every Christian couple uh, that are the appropriate age to really ask the question, should I adopt? To prayerfully consider, Lord, what do you want for us? It is such a simple prayer, but you would be surprised how God may answer that prayer. But he does call for every Christian to care for orphans in some way. To go, to give, or to serve, and you're going to hear a multitude of ways that you can do that. We want to be a church that is all in, as Dabo Swinney would say, all in on orphan care. Some of you are going, who's Dabo Swinney? Google. Google that. John Piper says this, when the culture of adoption is flourishing at church, it means that people are looking to their heavenly father for their joy and embracing the stress and cost of children instead of trying to maximize their freedom and comforts. And embracing both the pain and joy of children makes the worth of Christ shine more brightly. Oh my goodness, that is the culture that we want, and I believe we have, and want to continue at Fellowship Bible Church. So this morning, the first thing I want to do is I want you to sit back and enjoy the stories of two families who a couple years ago said, came to Mercy Found Sunday, the Lord moved on them, and they said, oh Lord, we're going to get a baby. And then last year, in the last year, they brought this baby home, Parker and Ashley Deal and Christian and Megan Snow enjoy their story. When Ashley and I met, we she'd already wanted to adopt. Adoption meant something to her from when she was a kid. And so honestly, it was Adoption Sunday 2019, where as I heard that it was Mercy Found Sunday coming into the service, I was like, oh man, this here we go. <laughs> And so, uh, yeah, by the end of the service, we, uh, we went to Nukes after lunch. I mean, went to Nukes for lunch after the service. 
And Ashley was like, I know, I know we've talked about it. And I know you're probably not going to be super for it, but I think I, I feel like we should adopt. And I was like, no, yeah, agreed. Totally. <laughs> no. Kind of started immediately, like talking to Emily Henry mm-hmm. and just figuring out where to start. So we knew back even when we were dating that adoption was something we both were very passionate about, something we both really wanted to do. Um, and after I had a miscarriage in 2018 and then we kind of struggled with infertility for a while um, and felt kind of in this moment of infertility and thinking of next steps that God just flipped the script on that and was like, no, I am calling you to adopt right now. And if we have our own kids one day, we have our own kids. If not, that's fine too. For months, Ashley had suggested, what are, why don't we go ahead and flip our house to where the nursery is where it's gonna be and all that stuff. And I didn't wanna do it. I just thought that um, it would be too hard to see an empty nursery. So we just didn't. Um, and then at some point, uh, I don't even remember exactly the conversation that kicked it off, but we kind of decided, we prayed about it and just decided, let's just go ahead and just do it. Just go ahead and get the nursery ready. And we hadn't been in the room, in our new situation, new room for like two days when we got a call for Ezra. Um, We got matched like immediately after we finished just painting what would be the nursery. It really put in perspective that like sometimes you have to just trust God and take a leap of faith that he's waiting on us in the same way that we're waiting on him sometimes. Letting go of the reins and allowing him to take this, each of these steps, there was no way I could even possibly control it. And that was a big thing for us and in our marriage and just learning to let go and let God and see where he takes us. We just, we're very passionate about adoption and love that that God wrote this into our story this way. The tension and the, the waiting was palpable for sure. Uh, but then, yeah, when we finally were able to see her, like people had told us, um, all the she's nurses had so said, beautiful. <laughs> she's yeah. so beautiful. And we were like, let us see her. Yeah, and, um, and then we finally were able to see her. And that was, I mean, just magical, you know? Very surreal. He was finally here in our arms, um, <laughs> eight pounds, 11 ounces, and pure bliss um and i just remember being so just happy and um, just overjoyed one of the big things that uh, we have truly been uh, impacted by is the large group of people that around us in our in our church here at fellowship there are a lot of families that have adopted or been involved in foster care or adopted out of foster care. Um, it's been fantastic to have a bit of a support, a huge, not bit, a huge support group around us. I think I, anybody that's wanting to adopt but thinking maybe it seems like really overwhelming or like I truly did not think it was gonna happen for us, um, you know, and up until February and we were matched in February and so until we were matched, I was like, it's not going to happen. And then it was just, it's like wild. Just everything, like so much better than I could have imagined. Just like, here you go. Like it was always going to happen. Knowing like, yes, I am, we are raising him, 
but ultimately it's going to be what he does in God's kingdom. Big hand, big hand for those stories. Awesome. Man, if you see this, if you see the snows and the deals, come on up here, Lisa. Uh, if you see the snows and the deals, encourage them and uh, how fun was that and see the process there. So also give, let's move up just a little bit here. Give Lisa Steele a big hand and she... <laughs> We chit-chat a little bit this morning. Uh, obviously, I've had a great time uh, as we sort of worked up to this morning and um, uh, certainly a member of our church. So I wanted you to just start off here. Uh, you are a part of Family Life Missions. Yes. So tell us how you got involved and what your job is. I, I was certainly surprised to know, but delighted. So go ahead. So I'm the executive director of Family Life Missions. It's been around for 29 years and we are in Catacamas, Honduras, and we have a home there for children and several other programs we'll talk about in a minute. But um, the way I became involved in it was just literally following what God put in front of me. So for many years, I stayed home. I homeschooled our children uh, for 16 years. I was home for 21 years. But during that time, I was always involved in missions in Central America. I was involved in homeschooling things and um, immigrant community, very involved in it. And so God kept putting things just in front of me very easily. I worked on staff at a church for eight years as a Latino and outreach minister after my last child left home. Just immediately fell into that, um, worked at a university as an assistant dean of intercultural development. So I just saw where God kept giving me what I needed, I believe, for this time. And so when this opportunity came up, it was perfect because Honduras was my very first mission trip in the early 90s. And I knew that this is where God wanted me to take all the things I had learned and to use it there to work with vulnerable children and families. So I'm guessing when you went there in the 90s, you didn't think you'd be executive director of a whole orphanage. Okay. <laughs> no, absolutely yeah. not. Uh, there's some people here that may be doing that, but they don't know it at this point, right? That's so, right. That's right. Just keep your well, eyes open. Tell us this. There's some, there's some, I think some, as we talked, there were some crucial things about family life missions that I thought you probably need to share with our mm -hmm. church and how our church can and is going to be a part of those. So. so at Family Life Missions, we started, like I said, 29 years ago, and we started as a home, just like a residential home, one big home for kids who were abandoned, orphaned, needed help. But what we found over the years was a lot of those kids were not true orphans. Those kids had been abandoned maybe because the family did not have adequate housing for them, did not have food. Um, there was a lot of illness, different things. You know, Honduras is the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. They're right below Haiti. Um, the average wage in Honduras is $5.60 a day. So it's a lot of poverty. It's a very corrupt government. It's a hard place to live. But the people are wonderful. I've, the people are so hospitable. They're so beautiful. And they, they want what's best for their families. A lot of them just don't know what to do. So what we began doing was we built a four-acre campus where we have residential homes where caregivers live in the homes with no more than 10 children at a time so that they have a family feel. 
And this has been great doing this for many years, but what we're doing now is we're trying to reintegrate families too, because we found out some of these kids have a parent somewhere. So try to find that parent, try to reunite a family. We have social workers, psychologists that work with those families to do this. So we bring everybody together and we have family preservation programs. We have workshops for the parents. We have a school on campus that's a bilingual Christian school for the children to attend and for our community. So we do a lot of outreach. We have a foster care program. We are the first organization in the entire country to offer foster care. So they didn't even have foster care in Honduras. They didn't know what it was. So two years ago, we partnered with a branch of the government that is not corrupt, that really loves children, their children's (laughs) services. And so they're awesome. And so we were able to be a part of this pilot and we have been accredited now. And we have children that are in foster families. So we go to local churches and we recruit families and then they go through a really rigorous training. And I've been able to be at a couple of their graduations and it's so sweet to talk with them and hear how much they want to give a a child a home and and love and teach them about Jesus. So we have the foster care program. And then we also, um, we have the family preservation, foster care, the residential homes and the school. But in the family preservation program, we have a thing called building dreams. Construino sueños. So this is a cool program because this is where we go in and build a house for a family. Because I ha- sometimes these families just don't have a place to live. And so we need to, to do that. We need to go in there. We need, they need to have a cement floor this, so there's not parasites getting into their bodies so it can be healthier for them. Sometimes we can't reintegrate a family because they don't have the proper shelter for the family. So we bring folks down there. They come and they hand dig the foundation because there's no machinery but, mm. but your arms. So that's what you're seeing up here, some pictures of that. And we build that house for them. And then we're able to reintegrate families. So we did a family this past summer. It was so awesome. We had a group come down from Alabama. They, they dug the foundation. This is the final house right here. I was just there a week before last. And this is the family. Two girls lived with us at our home for 12 years, 12 years. And so we were able to find their family members and to reintegrate them into their family, build them a house. And they said, it's a dream come true. So the really great thing is that we have now partnered here at Fellowship. And this summer we have a group going down from this church to build a house. And we're pretty excited. I think so some of you would be going on that, but you don't know it yet. (laughs) All right. So I I think Chad should be the lead guy, Chad Vincent, to dig dig a foundation by by hand, don't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. You got to build up his muscles. I would love to see that. Okay. Uh, If you're 58 or older, you're too old to do that kind of work. You can go be a cheerleader. Yeah, me. Mm -hmm. I'll be the cheerleader. So you mentioned this word family preservation. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's a term that I wasn't familiar with until I started sort of doing work around, uh, uh, you know, adoption ministry mm-hmm, and all those mm-hmm. kind of things. Tell us why that's, so, that's sort of the first step, why it's so crucial, mm-hmm. and then why adoption, if you would, or foster care and other things come after that. Like I said, there's so many children that do have a parent somewhere, or there's a family, what we found like when, when the woman came down there 29 years ago, a lady went down there to, to adopt a child and saw all the other children that didn't, that had needs. She thought, oh, I need to just give them a home. And that was good. But what we found when people were just leaving kids at our doorstep that really didn't need to be left there because what they needed was they needed a hand up, not a handout. 
but a hand up, and there's a difference. And so what we try to do is to, to have these uh, parenting schools. They don't know how often how to discipline a child, how to fix nutritious meals, the important things. They don't understand sometimes the value of an education. Um, third grade is, a, is usually about what they make it to. And so I'm helping them understand that if they can get the tools they need, then they can be economically more secure. Also making sure that they're connected to a local church. So we have 19 local churches that we, we partner with that's really important in Honduras. And so connecting people in their community and to their churches because you can't do it alone. We can't do it alone here. And so you need to have that very same thing for family preservation there so that they can, their families can be sustainable. And then sometimes there are you know, children who have you know, maybe just one parent, they're a single orphan or a double orphan where there is nobody there. And those children are available for foster care adoption as well. So family preservation, if that doesn't work out, then we move to adoption yeah. or foster care, mm -hmm. et cetera. But that certainly makes priority, right? Kids doing all we can to have kids grow up uh, with their uh, birth parents. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, just curiosity hit me. People may be thinking, how do you direct, how are you the executive director of Family Life Missions in Murfreesboro? Mm -hmm. Do you travel there? Do you, how do you do this? Yes, I travel a lot. Um, I've been five times this year. I just got back, like I said, week before last. Um, so I travel quite a bit. I have lots of Zoom meetings with my staff in Honduras. Did that before Zoom was a thing. Um, <laughs> I've worked remotely before that was a thing also. But we, we meet and we have a great staff in Honduras. We have just people that are very committed to vulnerable children and families. So I go back and forth a lot um, and talk to them during the week. We text on WhatsApp. I mean, I just have a very close relationship because you have to have a team effort because we have you know directors. We have a holistic care center there that that helps children with their trauma because every child we deal with has experienced some severe trauma mm -hmm. and so we make sure that they have play therapy that they get the help that they need so that they can work through the trauma so then when they leave us and even when they leave us we follow them for two years after they're adults and we meet them every month and with their to find out where they are what they need how we can help them so it's not just a cutoff it's to continually help them to be, you know, good, strong Christian adults. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's wrap up this interview with uh, this information I got from a little birdie mm -hmm. named Lisa. Mm -hmm. All right. <laughs> that, that Family Life Missions just may have two precious children who can't do family preservation because of their story. And they need a forever home. Yep. And maybe that home would be in Murfreesboro. Maybe. What do you think? I think that's a good idea. Tell us. Let's hear. So we have some children that live with us who are up for adoption. They're available. <laughs> you know, international adoption is not always easy, but it is possible. Mm. And I'd like you to meet Franchelle and Katie. So Franchelle and Katie live with us on our campus. They're sweet children. I want to tell you a little bit about their story. So Franchelle is nine years old, and he came to live with us uh, when he was about two years old. He was severely malnourished. Um, his mother had schizophrenia and refused to take medication and abandoned him. And so she's gone. She's lost all parental rights. No father in the picture. So he is a true orphan. And he lives with us. He's a sweet boy. He told me that his very favorite story is Adam and Eve in the Bible because they had to obey God. I said, that's a very good story to have. <laughs> so sweet, sweet young man. Um, just 
you know, has, has no, no family and no, no hope of reintegration. And that's the hard part, because a lot of the kids, sometimes we have somebody that's a possibility, but with him, there isn't one. The other child is Katie. Katie is uh, very special to me because her story really touched me. Katie came to live with us when she was four years old, and um, she was severely malnourished and severely abused. They found her on the street. Her mother was a prostitute, and her mother would go out at night and just let her just wander around the streets. So we don't even know the extent of her trauma, but we know it was very extensive. She could not speak. She was four years old, and she couldn't speak. Um, she didn't know how to eat properly. She would eat like a dog. Mm. Um, the kids, when she first got there, were, you know, they're just kids, and they called her animalita, little animal, because she ate like a little animal. So we did some very extensive therapy with her, some super deep trauma things with her to help her get through this. And if you saw her today, you'd see this little girl right here who is well-mannered, cultured, sweet, kind, loves Jesus, loves the story of David in the Bible, she said, because he was victorious. And I just love talking with her because she's just a sweet little girl now. But she also, her, she has absolutely no parents. She has nobody to re, be reunited with. And so she needs, she needs a home. And so these are two kids that actually could live here. And I don't think it's a coincidence that, that God has woven all this together. When I'm listening to Jeff talk today about family preservation and foster care and adoption, I'm like, wow, I mean, this is what we do. And how did I get here? And how it's just such a cool thing to see how God weaves all of it together in his timing at the right time. One of my favorite Bible verses is you have not because you ask not. And so I don't know where the Lord might want those two children to have a forever home. But I have been praying, God, if it's at fellowship, to move on somebody in our body in a powerful way this morning, whether here or online, uh, that we might bring, is it Franchelle? Say mm -hmm. it? Franchelle and Katie. Katie. And uh, with us here. And uh, those are beautiful, beautiful stories. Uh, um, and, and they're heartbreaking, right? Yes, yes. And yes. yet um, uh, part of what God does is redeem uh, heartbreaking stories Absolutely. from the ashes and make something beautiful out of it. So um, anyway, we're, we'll entrust their future lives to the Lord, but, uh, but we want to pray that maybe the Lord would just, we would celebrate them here uh, maybe next year during Mercy Found Sunday. And I want to add one other thing. There's a yellow sheet you were given when you came in, and on that yellow sheet, those are ways that you can serve with us at Family Life Missions. It's not just adoption. It's not, I mean, obviously you can't be a foster family life. Well, you could be if you want to go down there. I'd be glad to go with you and help you get settled, but um, you'd have to live down there. <laughs> but there's a lot of ways you can help, and I mean, number one is prayer. I mean, that's the number one thing is that we need lots and lots of prayer for the country, for those children, for the families. But there's a list of things you can do that are tangible because I believe that everybody, everybody can be a part of this to serve the orphans. Awesome. Uh, grateful, Lisa, for the work that you do. Grateful that you and your husband are here at Fellowship and uh, grateful to meet you. And uh, y'all give Lisa a big hand. Thank you so much. No, you got to stay up here. All right. Obviously, anytime you do ministry, we do team stuff here. 
turn here, girls. This is Emily Henry and Megan Snow, Lisa Steele. They make up our leadership team of Mercy Found. So give them all a big hand, please. Thanks, Jeff. Well, I'm Emily Henry, and you all have already heard from Lisa and Megan, so you know their heart for orphaned and vulnerable children, which is why I'm thrilled that they are part of Mercy Found Leadership. Um, every year, like Jeff said, we take one Sunday in November to encourage each one of you to make the difference in the life of a child. Just like Jeff said, what you wish you could do for a thousand, you can do for one. Um, and you have a sheet in front of you, and on that sheet it highlights five of those ways, which Jeff has mentioned, adoption, foster care, pre family preservation, orphan care, and our own Mercy Found Wraparound Ministry. Adoption is dear to my heart, uh, specifically international adoption. My youngest was born in China and came home to us in 2005, but international adoption is not the only way that you can grow your family through adoption. Megan, what are some of the other ways? So my family actually, we adopted Lincoln through a uh, domestic adoption. We did actually a private adoption. There is also domestic adoption through an agency uh, there is adopting straight out of the foster care system, and there's embryo adoption. So if you see on the back of that pamphlet, we actually have three families in our body that are in the process of adoption right now. We have the Docos, and they are in the process. Well, they're still waiting to bring sweet Quincy home and um, just be in prayer with them as they're, as they're still waiting. We also have the Isaacs. They are waiting to be home study approved. And we have the princes, and they have been home study approved, and they're just waiting to be matched. So just join us in prayer for those families. Thank you. Uh, I hope you will be in prayer for them, um, as we have been um, for a while, and for with the docos uh, who have been waiting for, in China for quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So. Um, perhaps you are not called to grow your family through adoption, but you are open and willing to open your home to a vulnerable teenager or a child right here in the United States with over 400,000 children in the foster care in the United States and almost 8,000 of those right here in the state of Tennessee. I hope that you will prayerfully consider being that Christian family who could make the difference and show a vulnerable child or teenager what Christian love, what God's love that we experience, what it sounds like, what it feels like, um, just to sit around a dinner table and to experience that. I hope that as you're praying where God wants you to walk this out, um, consider foster care. Foster care, opening your home or growing your family may not be where you're called, but you want to be a part of orphan care in general. And so I want to encourage you that as you think about sponsorship, sponsoring children, supporting ministries and organizations, Jeff has talked about this some. I want to encourage you to do your due diligence that any organization or ministry that you support is moving towards that family care model. You have, if you've been with us, you have heard us say that before. Um, and if you don't, if you are not wanting to dig into that, you can go to Christian Alliance for Orphans, CAFO.org, CAFO. And they are, they have done that for you, and they have hundreds of organizations listed. Um, and that way, you know that when you are supporting that organization, you're supporting that child in their family and their community. 
And so talking about families and homes and communities, mm -hmm. family preservation, which Lisa has already spoken about, and we've actually heard how what that looks like tangibly lived out through Family Life Missions in Honduras. And Lisa's gonna share a story, a beautiful story of reconciliation. I got this down. <laughs> So I want to share with you a story about a little boy named Carlitos. So this is Carlitos. Uh, he lives in, in Honduras. He came to us because he was found abandoned in a house. A neighbor found him. He was severely malnourished, and he'd been very physically abused. He was barely alive. Um, his mother and stepfather had fled, never to be seen again. And this neighbor found him, and they took him to a hospital. And he was there for several weeks. They didn't know if he was even going to live. So he did live. And they asked us, they called and said, can you find a foster family for him? So we found a foster family. So we put him in with a loving Christian foster family, and it was awesome. Um, the foster family loved on him for about 18 months. And our social worker kept saying, I just feel like we need to check a little harder and see if we can find his father. Because no one had heard from his biological father. So she went up out into the mountains. Catacamas is in the middle of Honduras where it's a lot of mountains. She went up in there walking around, find, finally found him. When she said, we have your little boy Carlitos, he said, what? And he started crying. He goes, I was told he was dead. And he thought that he didn't have a little boy anymore. So we brought him in and we spent months with him as extended family, doing family reintegration, doing workshops, making sure they had all the tools and resources they needed to, to reintegrate and to reunite as a family. What's beautiful is this is Carlito's family now. That's his grandparents, his aunts and uncles, and his cousins. And they were elated when he came home. And the grandmother said, we can't wait to take him to church and teach him about Jesus. And his grandfather said, we're going to make sure he gets an education. And that's their house back there. That's a house where they need a new one. And that's something we're going to do next is make, make sure that they have a, a good home, a good, safe, secure, healthy home for him to live in a house. But he has a home. He has a safe, secure home right here. They are so happy to see him. But that, to me, is a beautiful story of how family preservation works. And it doesn't always work, but when it does, that's so beautiful that they're together. I love that. Thank you, Lisa. Mm -hmm. So to, to sort of, I, I hope that you all want to be a part of that. I want to be a part <laughs> of that story. Um, so to wrap it up, um, I want to talk quickly about Mercy Found's wraparound ministry. You should have gotten, or there should be near you, a little card. And if you don't have that, you can come out to the desk and out to our table and get one of those. On that, you'll see all of the different ways that, um, that the wraparound ministry can come around foster or adoptive families right here at Fellowship, either through, um, either through prayer or a needs group, fundraising group, lots of different ways you can plug in. And we want to know, if you are an adoptive or a foster family, we want to know that. Please sign that and let us know. Um, we already, thanks to the spiritual gifts assessment that most of you took, um, and it's still available online, if you, if you want to take that, a lot of you have signed up um, to be mentor families, to pray for folks, to offer childcare or meals. Um, so we would love for you to sign up. We are restructuring those right now and excited to get those relaunched um, within the next month or so. Um, and we have, if you are adopting or fostering, or perhaps you're sitting here today and are thinking, 
Hmm, I just, we're just curious, let's just find out. I encourage you, Lisa, uh, Megan and Katie Beth Trout host a, a, a Mercy Found support group the first Tuesday of every month at 6.30, right out in the living room. Um, my sweet Ellie came home in 2005, so I'm kind of an older adoptive parent, but I'm telling you, I'm so encouraged by the stories there. You may answer somebody's questions or you may get your questions answered, answered, but I promise you it's an encouragement to be with that community. So please come um, to that if you have any questions. We will be out at the table. Um, Megan and I will be out. Lisa will be out there with Family Life Missions. We have a representative from Portico, which is a beautiful place. Portico and Stepping Stones, beautiful places where you can plug in to come alongside of a vulnerable mother um, at uh, right here at Fellowship. So come out and see us at the table in the hallway. We look forward to talking to you. Thank you, girls. Thank you. Yep. Man, a lot of fun stuff. Well, as we wrap up this morning, a lot of application for you. As they said, you have three tables in the lobby to visit. You have Mercy Found Ministry from Fellowship Bible Church. You have Portico, which is the Crisis Pregnancy Center here in Murfreesboro. And you have uh, Family Life Missions. Uh, any uh, questions you have, certainly go there. <clears throat> you have a yellow sheet and a white sheet that gives tons of information and places to plug into. Uh, you have three families to pray for and engage who are waiting for their children to go to them and say, how can we help in any form of fashion needed? The Dokals, the Princes, and the Isaacs. And, um, and then I want to make sure we don't miss anything. Oh, yeah. We do have two kids that we saw this morning that need a forever home. And I'm also told that there are more than those two that have gone through all the things ready and they're ready to adopt because they don't have a family. And then lastly, we have our own ministry here called Stepping Stones, a ministry to uh, homeless uh, mothers with children that Kimberly Waldron uh, oversees. So you can certainly see here, see her. Is that fun stuff or what? No doubt. So stand with me this morning. Let me pray for, for us, for these children, grateful to play a role. And may God be gracious to us to continue sort of this, this, this uh, work in the lives of people he counts precious. So Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning. Uh, we're thankful as a body that you have, your spirit has moved on us to value in a great way your own adoption of us in Christ. And because of that, we move, as I said earlier, horizontally toward those kids that need forever homes. Lord, we trust your spirit to lead, and we are grateful for that. And we ask that in Christ's name. Amen. Let me say one more thing to you. I forgot to mention, for those of you who have some serious interests, we have created a resource booklet that really goes from A to Z and answers questions, uh, information, resources. It is, it is more than one sheet. It is a booklet to get you started. We have a limited number of those out on the table with Megan and, uh, and uh, my good friend, I can't remember her name, Emily. Yeah, how about that? So make sure that's a great resource uh, for those who think you may be interested in moving forward on this.